Hello, friends. It's time for the second hour of Open Line with Dr. Mike Roy Delman, Moody Radio's Bible study across America, where we're talking about your questions about the Bible, God, and the spiritual life. My name is Michael Ray Delnick. I'm Professor of Jewish Studies and Bible at Moody Bible Institute. Also happens to be the Vice President Academic Dean of the Undergraduate School. I'm coming to you live from Chicago. If you have a question, give me a call. The phone number is 877-548-3675. I'll give you that again. 877-548-3675. You can also post your question by going to openlineradio.org. Click on the link that says Ask Michael a Question, fill out the form, and your question will be added to the mailbag. Before we get back to the phones for this hour, let me tell you about our current resource. When I was a freshman at Moody Bible Institute, we were required to read Balancing the Christian Life by Charles Ryrie. It was a biblical, very wise approach to how to grow as a believer. It had a tremendous impact on my life, and when I had to decide on which seminary to go to, I chose to go where Dr. Ryrie taught and took him for two classes. I still think this book is an excellent tool to help us all grow as believers, and it can be yours when you give a gift of any size to Open Line. Just call 888-644-7122. That's 888-644-7122. Or go to our website, openlineradio.org. And remember, when you give, ask for balancing the Christian life. We're going to speak with Chuck in Ringgold, Georgia, listening on WMBW. Welcome to Open Line, Chuck. How can I help you? Okay. Yeah, I have a question. Uh, it's a Passover question. Okay. Uh, if you think you've qualified to answer anything like that. I'll, I'll do my best on that, okay? I appreciate that. Okay. Uh, at the, in the Seder, the children ask, uh, why is this night different than all the others? And my question is, does that have a Bible reference? No, it doesn't. It does not. But the the only thing you have uh, in the book of Exodus, I believe it's chapter 13, it says that your children will ask you why you're doing this. And you should answer okay. them. Uh, so I'm looking for the verse. Uh, but it's I believe it's in... Well, on that day, here's uh, it says uh, here, uh, on that day, explain to your son, this is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. Let it serve as okay. a sign. Verse 8. Yeah. So it says that you should explain it to your children. And the question okay. is, uh, your children will ask you why you're doing this and, you know, why were they doing it? Uh, it says in verse 14, In the future, when your son asks you, what does this mean? Say to him, by the strength of his hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. With a strong arm and a, uh, a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. So there it says, your children will ask you what it means. And the, and the ancient rabbis thought, oh, wait a minute, what if they don't ask? So they wrote the four questions right into the Haggadah. And uh, the, it's really four statements of difference. You know, on some days, all day, on some days we eat either leavened bread or unleavened, bread with yeast or without yeast. But on 
the fir- uh, but on they observe on this night we only eat unleavened bread. And the question is actually at the beginning. It says why is this night different from all other nights? And it states what the differences are, the four big differences, and then asks, in a sense, asking those four questions. Okay. Okay. Yes, sir. Yeah, Thank but, you very much. But it comes from uh, Exodus fourteen, fourteen. When in the future, when your son asks, you should answer. So it expects your children to ask. Okay? All right. Thank you very much. Good. Thanks for your question, Chuck. Appreciate it. Uh, We're going to speak next with Rex in Asheville, Alabama, listening to WGRW. Welcome to Open Line, Rex. How can I help you? Oh, I've got a a question I cannot wrap my mind around. Um, And I I think it happens uh, in Revelation 3, no, 5, 13, um, it's uh, probably the lowest time in Earth's history when all of creation, uh, all creatures in creation in heaven and on Earth, and uh, you can read it, uh, under the Earth, um, are praising God uh, with these uh, four blessings, honor, glory, and power. Um, How is it possible at the uh, after the rapture of the church, the ending of grace, uh, maybe the exit of the Holy Spirit, um, do they honestly, uh, earnestly praise God um, when, you know, we, we look at the world around us and we, we, we don't see that happening? Okay, well, let me just say, uh, Revelation... Five takes place in heaven. Yeah. Uh, and it, you're right that it's during the tribulation, but it is in heaven. And what it's saying is every believing creature in heaven on earth and under the earth, on the sea and everything in them, say, basically it's saying all believers in, in the world, in the universe, will be praising God at that time. Uh, it's not saying every opponent of God or the false Messiah or any, it's talking about every creature is qualified to ones who love and worship him. Okay. Uh, and so it's not saying that, uh, it's sort of like, how would I put it? Uh, uh, that when we say every tongue will confess, uh, I would say that every time confess Jesus is Lord, even those who don't believe in him, because of the context where it says that in Isaiah and then in Philippians, uh, what it's saying is that one day everyone will come to recognize and will confess whether they are his friends or his enemies. This is not talking about that. This is talking about about a point before everyone comes to know that. So it's obviously talking yes. about only believers. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is never removed. You're right that the church is removed. The influence of the Holy Spirit through the church is removed, but the Holy Spirit remains. Also, uh, grace is not removed. There will be, you can read about it in Revelation 7, 144,000 Jewish people who come to know Jesus, who become servants of God in the tribulation, and they, it's clear to me from, doesn't say how they're serving him, but if you look at the very next paragraph, it talks about people from every tribe and nation and tongue and, and 
they they all are standing before the throne. So obviously, the 144,000 Jewish believers in Jesus are like 144,000 Jewish Billy Grahams. They're proclaiming the gospel all through the earth. Grace is not removed. People are believing in Jesus. I believe the greatest revival on earth in history will take place during the future tribulation. More people will come to know the Lord then than any other time before. So uh, you don't have to be concerned during the tribulation that there's no grace. There is grace. No believers? Yes, there are believers. No Holy Spirit? Yes, the Holy Spirit's working. Uh, what's been removed is the church, but God is now working still, and he's working through Israel. Does that make sense? I didn't see distinction of believers, because it, it says all or every creature. Yeah, I know what it says, but I'm thinking logically yeah. it can't be every creature, because the false Messiah is not going to be. So it right. means every believing creature. That's the qualification that we oh. have to give it. Okay? The same time. All right, yeah. thank you. And even, listen, animals can't praise God. You know, so if we say every creature, it has to be uh, creatures that are capable of believing. So you see what I mean? Well, he says we the that, that's The rocks will cry out. I don't think that's literal. That's saying every created being. It's just saying there isn't a limit to it. Don't be overly literal, is what I would say to you. Uh, recognize a metaphor if you see it. Okay? Okay. I thought it was his supernatural power at, at a point of conviction. That, okay. Well, you know, that, I, I would just say to you, no, it's no. Uh, it's not that. That's <laughs> okay. Okay? Well, good. Thanks All for right. your call. Appreciate it. Uh, we're going to speak with Phil in Largo, Florida, listening on WKES. Welcome to Open Line. Phil, how can I help you today? Good morning. Good morning, Michael. I have a question for you. It's in reference. To, actually, I have two questions. They're short, and they're referencing um, the tribe of Simeon. In chapter 33 of Deuteronomy, uh, Moses is giving a blessing to all of the tribes of Israel before they go over into the promised land, but he does not mention the tribe of Simeon, and I was wondering if you could tell me why. And the second one refers to Simeon again, and I go back to the maps in the Bible, and I try to locate where Simeon is located. In some Bibles, it shows that they are surrounded by the territory of Judah. Other ones show them that they're located south of Judah, but in either case, they're, they would be considered southern part of the southern tribes, but we only see Benjamin and Judah as the two southern tribes. I don't know why Simeon isn't mentioned in Deuteronomy 33. Uh, there's probably a simple explanation that is eluding me. Uh, sometimes when people ask a question that I don't know the answer to, it's because I never asked it. So generally, <laughs> I, generally I try and, you know, uh, I just... Uh, I don't know why. Uh, I'm, I'm quick glancing here at the Moody Bible commentary. Did you look that up and see if it says something about that? I do not have the I do not have the Bible commentary with Moody. Well, probably it's not very very much worth it because Simeon isn't mentioned that I can tell. Uh, but uh, no, I think the Moody Bible commentary is great. But I'd have to read a little bit more carefully. Uh, uh, Probably there'll be a text from my wife in a moment telling me 
what, what I should think about <laughs> this. Uh, but uh, no, I, I don't know. I do know that uh, Simeon was down by Judah, down on the south. Uh, but uh, if if uh, I, there's something in the back of my head that's itching and saying, you know the answer to this, but it's not coming up. Uh, and so uh, it, maybe on the break, I'll do a little quick research and it'll it'll spur what's in my head. Sorry to tell you that. Uh, I'll I'll figure it it's out. Okay. But I, uh, yeah, here's a, the thing that I do know about the tribes: the listing of the tribes is repeatedly different in in the Bible. That sometimes Dan is left out in Revelation. Correct. Uh, yeah. Uh, right. There, there's all these different lists of the tribes, and that's because they were sometimes kind of squoze together some were were left out and and so forth so uh i don't uh, i i know there's something about that with simeon and i'm i'm trying to remember it but nevertheless uh the i don't worry about the listing of the tribes unlike other people who always want to figure them out because i keep seeing them consistently presented differently so i can i can live with it you know, I just live with the tension. So, okay. Okay. Sorry about that. All right. That, I wish I, okay. wish I could Thank help you more. Time, Michael. Yeah. Right. Uh, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, maybe I'll know the answer to this question. And uh, if not, uh, I'll, I'll do some research during the week and find out. But uh, you're listening to Open Line with Michael Wright Elnick. Uh, mark, th- mark that one down, Tricia. Another question I didn't know the answer to. There we go. So... Uh, we're going to be right back. Stay with us. You're listening to Open Line with Michael Ray Dillman. Welcome back to Open Line. Uh, you're listening to this program with me, Michael Ray Delnick, and uh, uh, I, I, uh, okay. Well, just had a little glitch here with my computer, so I don't see who the next caller is. So we're going to, we're going to take that in a moment. Uh, we're going to talk to Rose, uh, calling from someplace. Welcome to Open Line, Rose. How can I help you? Hi, Dr. Raydama. Um, I'm calling from Elgin. Oh, good. Uh, so the glad. question is, yeah. So the question I have is, I am speaking with a Jehovah's Witness, and she um, claims that there is, uh, number one, that Jesus is not God, and that there is no Trinity in the Bible, mentioned okay. in the Bible. So there is none. Okay. Uh-huh. So there's no Trinity in the Bible? Is that what it is? So th- there's a lot of books uh, that that you should be studying to help you with that. Uh, and so... Uh, it would be hard for me to give you a whole ton of things in time, but I, 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 I could help you a little bit uh, with this. Uh, let's see. Uh, the Trinity in the Bible. The, first of all, the word Trinity is not used. Uh, and, uh, but there are aspects to it. I'll give you an example of something that I, I often uh, use with Jewish people who question the Trinity. Uh, it's Isaiah 48, 
verse 16. Now, if you look at the paragraph, okay, uh, it says that God is speaking. Clearly, God is speaking. The reason uh, he says, I am he, I am the first, I am also the last. Uh, my own hand founded the earth, my right hand spread out the heavens. Obviously, this is God. He compares himself to idols. He says, I have spoken, right? Then he says, approach me, verse 16, and listen to this. From the beginning, I have not spoken in secret. From the time anything existed, I was there. Clearly, God is speaking, right? And now the Lord God has sent me. Wait a minute. If this is God speaking, how is it can be that the Lord Yahweh has sent me? And also, it's either he has sent his spirit or he sent his spirit sent me. Uh, uh, so, obviously, this is talking something about a triune God. Then you get Psalm 110. The Lord said unto my Lord, uh, sit at my right hand. You've got Daniel 7, where you've got the... Uh, God the Father of the Ancient of Days presented in vision. But then what you have is uh, the, uh, what you have next is the uh, Son of Man, one who appears like a Son of Man, who is fully God, who has a throne right next to uh, the, the Father, the Ancient of Days. So we've got things like that. Uh, the triune nature of God is seen in, for example, Matthew 28, 16 through 18 in the Great Commission, where people are, are, the disciples are told to baptize people in the name, and that's singular, of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Why is that significant? Because Greek grammar would demand that the word name is plural, but it's not. It's singular. And then it has the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, indicating a triune God. Uh, so here's what I'd like to do. Uh, do you have a copy of uh, uh, the book, 50 Most Important Bible Questions? I actually do. Yeah, there's a question in there about, uh, I think it's give a simple explanation about the Trinity. And mm-hmm. I don't, okay. I don't... I don't have a simple explanation, I say. No one has a simple explanation, but I'll try. And, and then I cite a bunch of verses in Scripture that show the triune nature of God, okay? Then also, there's a question in there about understanding Colossians and the deity of Jesus in the book of Colossians. So uh, that might help you as well. If I were you, I would take some time to read those two questions. I'm glad you have that book because I know it's written down there. It'll give you a lot more uh, information if you do that. Okay? Awesome. Thank you so yeah. much. I appreciate oh, it. My pleasure. My pleasure. So, uh, hey, Trisha. Uh, we're going to speak next with Jeff in Idaho. Uh, hey, Jeff, welcome to Open Line. How can I help you? Good morning. Good morning, Dr. Rudelnik. Our Bible study group was studying the book of Exodus, and when we got to chapter 30 with the golden altar for burning incense, it said that it's placed outside the curtain uh, in the the holy place. And in Hebrews, uh, it says it's inside. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's why uh, I I can't resolve that. I I don't know how to uh, whether it's figurative or symbolic. I don't know. It's not figurative or symbolic. I think what it is is that the uh, and and this is uh, a question that if you if you went to a commentary on Hebrews, it would spend pages and pages to deal with the different possibilities for explaining it. Uh, the, the answer, I think, simply is that the altar of incense provided a covering to enter into the, the veil so that as you walked into the veil, you know, when you opened it, you still couldn't see through because you've got all that incense burning, and it was therefore considered almost to be part of being inside the veil. That's why. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, but, I, I read the commentary on it, and it was very confusing on the possibilities for it, and, and I gave up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's that's it. You know, I've read the commentaries, uh, basically every commentary that's available uh, about that many, oh, a long time ago. But uh, the, uh, the reason is that... Uh, that it's just not clear. Uh, it's not clear what the answer is. Uh, so that you know that that's the best I can come up with. I don't have a, maybe that's one you can ask someone. But that's of all the different explanations that I've seen, that's the one that makes the most sense. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm sorry Thank if it, you know it's not. Uh, I'm sorry that the commentary wasn't clear for you, but that's the one I think that makes the most sense. Okay. Okay. All right. Great. Thank you, Doctor. Thanks for your call. Appreciate it. All right. We're gonna we're gonna speak next with uh, Robert in McHenry, Illinois, listening on WMBI. Welcome to Open Line, Robert. How can I help you today? And, and good morning, sir. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I am a believer. First, we'll establish that, and I have read Pastor Lutzer's book, One Minute After You Die. I don't have the references, but Paul says uh, when we die in a twinkling of our eye, we'll be with the Lord. Yeah, and then Philippians later on, in the, Bible, in the Bible, it says, uh, um, at the sound of the trumpet, the dead will rise. And I wanted a clarification of that, please. Okay. Well, clearly, when we die, according to Philippians 1, we go to be with the Lord. For me to live as Christ, to die as gain. Paul says, it's better for me to stay on with you and minister to you, but it's far better to go and be with Christ. So when we die, we go to be with the Lord Jesus. At least our immaterial, spiritual part goes to be with the Lord Jesus. Same thing, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 9, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Uh, so what you're talking about, what you were asking about, is Philippians 4, where it talks about those who are asleep. Now, asleep is used uh, three or four times in that passage, and it's a metaphor for dead. Because when a body is dead, it looks like it's sleeping. So that's why they use this metaphor for death, is asleep. Uh, and what that means is when you see a dead body laid out, the of a believer, the immaterial part has gone to be with the Lord, but the material part looks like it's asleep. And it says that since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, that's the gospel, in the same way God will bring with him 
those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. Well, if they were not with him, how could he bring them with him? Do you see that? think so. You, you, I'm not quite certain. Uh, look at 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 14. Since we believe the gospel, that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way, yeah. God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. Do, think about that. How do they come with him if they're asleep? Well, that's because yes. it's because they are immaterial part. The spiritual part is with the Lord. And then what he's going to do at the rapture is he's going to resurrect the bodies of those who have fallen asleep, and they will reunite with their immaterial part. That's what's going to happen. Uh, so with regard to that, the body has been in the, the grave and has deteriorated, and when we go to heaven, we'll have a, a new body. Can you clarify that? Well, no, we'll have a resurrected body. What? When, when we die and go to heaven, we'll be with the Lord Jesus. I don't know what kind of body we'll have in the interim, maybe not, interim body, maybe not. I don't know. But I do know this. At the resurrection, the physical body will be resurrected. Those molecules will be reinstated, so to speak, re, uh, reorganized. And then they will be uh, uh, reinvigorated, I should say, into an immortal body, just like the Lord Jesus. Uh, so if you want to explain how does God resurrect people from the dead, that's God's purview. I don't have an answer. Thanks for your question. We'll be right back with more of the mailbag questions in just a moment. You're listening to Open Line with Michael Ray Delnick. Stay right there. Welcome back to Open Line Trisha McMillan is joining me right now. She's the producer of Open Line. And uh, before we get to the mailbag, and we will get to mailbag questions in just a moment, someone recently wrote to Open Line, and I just love it. was so sweet. I, this is what she wrote My husband and I love tuning into Open Line on Saturday mornings. The Lord has used you to spur us on in knowledge and having a sound mind as we live life for His glory. And we appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you guys, too. Uh, then they became kitchen table partners. I am so grateful for all our listeners, but especially for those who become kitchen table partners. I'm grateful for all of you. But, boy, kitchen table partners, their faithfulness, their generosity means so much to me. If Open Line is helping you in your walk, then you, too, can become a kitchen table partner and give monthly to Open Line. And when you do, every other week, I'll send you a Bible study moment. That's a special audio Bible study that you get in your email designed exclusively for our kitchen table partners. Become a kitchen table partner today by calling 888-644-7122 or sign up online at openlineradio.org. That's 888-644-7122 or openlineradio.org. And there's Trisha now with the mailbag all set to try and stump me some more. I got stumped today. Where's <laughs> Simeon in the Song of Moses? Uh, no, that, that, you know, sometimes people do try to stump me, which is okay. Uh, you know, I don't, it's not what really we're about. But some questions are, that's a, that was just a careful reader of Scripture wanting to know about the, 
the tribes. That right. was not a stump question. No. That was give me some help here, Michael question. Right. And, and of course I, I wasn't able to. So right. what can I say? And yeah. sometimes you haven't studied as much. I know we've had several of those over the years of the program mm-hmm. that you haven't spent as much time studying that and it yeah. causes you to study that and then you come back yeah. with answers and we love it. Yeah. Yep. That's, That's what happened. Second time I remember now I'm thinking, oh, I'm gonna go study this week. <laughs> the there iron sharpening iron, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Helping each other study the scriptures and read them better and yep. more closely. Yep. yep. Well, but I will f- be back on that one, I promise. Okay. You. Okay. okay. Not okay. next week. Because next, next week we have a special program um for the holiday weekend, but a program that we recorded a few weeks ago in Israel at the Dead Sea on the Moody Radio open line trip to Israel. And so it's yeah. The people who were on the trip, hello, hello. Yeah, um, hello. They're going to be the ones asking the questions next week, so we will not be yeah. live next week. That's pretty exciting, though. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I was there, but I think I'll listen again. <laughs> <laughs> You'll probably learn yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. What did you say? Because okay. because the added bonus that you get, and that one is in the first hour, Joe Stoll was part of the conversation. In the second hour, Eva... Your wife was part of the conversation, so yeah, those are always yeah, fun. People fun. love having yep. Eva on, and so yeah. it was great. It was a great um, two-hour program. So yeah. I, I, I'm glad I we recorded you to it. I know, me too, me too. Yeah, it, hey, it's a good one. I, I'm really grateful, Chris Seagard. Boy, he made that happen, didn't he? Did. He? he works there in Moody Radio, and he, he thank you, Chris. Anyway, let's let's go on. All right, first question is from Stephanie. She listens to WMBW online. A believing friend said that we don't need to or shouldn't confess our sins daily because God already forgave our sins when we accepted him and he's forgotten them as far as the east is from the west. Stephanie, though, has always been told that we should confess daily and keep short accounts with God to ensure that our fellowship remains intact. What do you think and what does the scripture say? Well, let's distinguish between two kinds of forgiveness. Okay. First of all, we have relational forgiveness, meaning that we become God's child and all our sins are forgiven, past, present, future. That's right. And nothing will ever change that relationship. We're still his children. Secondly, there's fellowship forgiveness. That means our communication, our interaction with God can be broken by sin. And so if you read First John chapter 5, it says, I write these things to you who believe. Obviously, writing to believers... But then in chapter 1, he said, if we deny that we have sinned, we're making God to be a liar. So what do we do? If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins. What that means is he restores our fellowship. Uh, And then we continue to walk in the light. When we sin, as we see that sin, we confess it. So uh, confession is just to agree with God. Uh, That's what it means, to agree with God. Homo to say the same thing. Uh, and so we agree with God that that was wrong, and he restores fellowship. So uh, I would say that, yes, you should confess all the time. Uh, the confession refers to fellowship forgiveness, not to relational forgiveness. And what Stephanie's friend is saying is all you need is relational, but I know I need fellowship with God too. Okay, so they're almost having they have two different definitions almost of what that confession mm-hmm. is. Yeah. And therefore, that plays out differently. Um, and so then what would be the difference? Hmm, when I'm reading the scriptures, how do I know that First John 4, 9 is talking about... 1, the, 9, yeah. 1, 9, I'm sorry, First John 1, 9 yeah. is talking about the 
um, um, fellowship forgiveness and not the relational forgiveness. Well, first of all, you have to talk, read the whole chapter, the whole book. And in chapter five, it talks about, I write these things to you who believe. So he's obviously writing to believers. So the direction okay. to confess is given to believers whose sins are forgiven. Okay. So that's what tells you to do that, that it's uh, fellowship forgiveness. not And it also the context there of 1 John 1 is if we walk in the light, it sees in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. It says, so it's talking about fellowship with God in that passage, not talking about entering into a relationship with God. It says, we walk in the light as he himself is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. That doesn't mean you and me, Tricia. It means I, as I walk in the light, I have fellowship with the one who is in the light, the Lord Jesus. Hmm. Uh, we have fellowship with one another. And then the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That we say, wait a minute, I don't need cleansing. If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. And then, so what do we do? We confess our sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and restores our fellowship. If we say we don't have any sin, we make him a liar. Okay, so... We say we don't need that. I'm, I'm pretty sure I have used 1 John 1, 9 in giving the gospel to people that we need yeah. to confess to have forgiveness. Yeah. So um, uh, is that still applicable there? No, I, 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 I would not... completely ruined it? Ruin people I, when I've given the gospel. No, no. Until I, <laughs> uh, I would say that the word confess is also used in a different way in Romans 10 if we confess with our mouth yeah. that Jesus is God, Jesus is Lord, uh, and believe in our hearts that, that God raised them from the dead will be saved. So it's okay, but what you're, when you talk about confess, you're not talking about uh, agreeing with God that what I did was wrong. That's what First John 1, 9 is. Uh, Romans 10, 9, and 10 is talking about uh, agreeing with God about who Jesus is okay. and his redemption. So it's okay, but I would just use Romans 10, 9, okay. and 10. I wouldn't, <laughs> okay. I wouldn't use okay. first Okay, I haven't completely messed it up by using no, the wrong verse. No. Okay, yeah. thank you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I hope that helps, Stephanie. I hope that clears it up, and um, I guess I hope that's encouraging for you. Yeah. That we we still want that re- that fellowship. Yeah. That you have it positionally, but you want that fellowship still. What did you yeah. say? Ha- have things in common. That's what fellowship means. Yeah. Have things in common with God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thanks for that question. Okay. David is in Indiana, listens to WMBI, has two questions that kind of overlap. If, as we become more like Christ, does the the working out of that, do we lose, I'm going to do his words here. Do I lose me or do I become more me as I let Jesus rework me? Like more of the true me I'm supposed to be. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, it does. Do, does it, do you become more robotic almost or yeah. do you become more of who you were designed we to be? Become little little machines that just... Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. And then, well, the, and the then true... once you get to heaven, the second part yeah. is kind of... Do we come? Do we become just like more perfect? He uses the word to become like a good version of the Borg. <laughs> but, yeah. but you know, um, do we disappear and kind of become more of a robot worshiping him in heaven? Yeah. Well, it seems to me that when we read Psalm one thirty nine, each of us is made fearfully and remarkably, fearfully and wonderfully made, remarkably and wonderfully made, 
And we all are, every human being is distinct and different. And so I, when we talk about becoming conformed to the image of the Messiah in Colossians, right? Mm-hmm. It's talking about being conformed to his holiness. It doesn't mean that we have the same temperament as each other or of Jesus. It doesn't mean that our personalities are transformed. Rather, it means that we're conformed to his holiness. Okay? Uh, That said, I believe we become not different, not like into like part of the Borg, but as we grow and then ultimately when we're glorified and we're in his presence, we'll be like him in holiness, not in temperament. When we see him, we shall be like him. Mm-hmm. But that's referring to, again, to his holiness. Uh, I, that's when we become truly who we were to be, how God designed us. Uh, what Lewis wrote, C.S. Lewis, in Mere Christianity, he said, it's when I turn to Christ, when I give myself up to his personality, that I first begin to have a real personality of my own. What he means is I become the person I was really I really wanted, that God wanted me to be, that God designed me to be. So, no, we don't lose ourselves in terms of our individual identities, but rather we become ourselves in terms of who God wanted us to be. It's like our personality becomes more sanctified yeah. because we're becoming more holy, and therefore you're like the best version of yourself in earthly exactly. terms. Okay. Exactly. And when we're glorified one day, when we have immortal glorified, sinless bodies, then we'll be the most like ourselves that we ought to have ever been. Yeah, that'll be, yeah. that'll be a great day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's what we look forward to. Yeah. That's, that's good. That's a very yeah. good question. Appreciated yeah. that. Yeah, thanks, David, yeah. for that question. Yeah. Well, we're going to be right back. All we're right. going to take a break here. Tricia, thank you so much for putting the mailbag together. You're welcome. Uh, you know, I think you, people don't realize how long it takes for you to gather all the questions, and <laughs> I appreciate the effort. Uh, I appreciate we're gonna, people sending them in. Yep, yep. We're grateful. Go to openlineradio.org, click on Ask Michael a Question, and you can put your question there, fill out the form. Trisha will put it in the mailbag. We'll be back with more of your calls in just a moment. This is Michael Radionic and Trisha McMillan on Open Line. Michael Wright like I'm so glad that you're listening in today. Uh, you know, Israel is constantly in the news. I'm so glad that we just got back from Israel, had a great time there. And uh, the thing that always strikes me is how Israel is always in the news because they're facing all sorts of struggles, political, diplomatic, even violence. Uh, people always want to know what does the future hold that's why they're interested in prophecy well chosen people ministries one of our underwriters who reach jewish people around the globe they are offering a free book called israel's glorious future it was a book that's based on god's faithfulness to his covenant promises which assure that israel will have a glorious future if you'd be interested in seeing this book and getting a free copy of your own uh, all you have to do is go to openlineradio.org. That's our website, openlineradio.org. Scroll down to the link that says a free gift from Chosen People Ministries. Click on that. You'll be taken to a page where you can sign up for your very own free copy of Israel's Glorious Future. And uh, 
We're going to speak with Barbara Jean in Venice, Florida, listening to WKZM. Welcome to Open Line, Barbara Jean. How can I help you today? I'm, I'm so happy to be here. Oh, good. Me too. Um, I'm happy you're here. <laughs> I'm, I, I have a comment about previous, it says in the scriptures, no man can come to the Father except the Spirit draw him. Yeah. There. Okay. Um, the scripture uses the words, not of this fold. Okay. And I, John 10. I don't know the words that are not, I, I don't know the words that are previous to that, but the words not of this fold. I wonder, I've been watching the TV and they have extraterrestrial sightings of UFOs. Could the scripture be for could they be included in not of this fold? Uh, there's nothing in Scripture about extraterrestrials. So no, but it's, it's no, there's definitely. nothing in no, no, there's nothing in Scripture about extraterrestrials. What John ten no, is talking and, about, what, dear, says, dear, listen to me, listen, Barbara, listen. There's nothing in Scripture about extraterrestrials. Okay. When it says that uh, I have other sheep uh, not of this fold, he is referring to Gentiles. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. That's John ten sixteen, And what that is referring to is that the Lord Jesus, who is the Messiah of Israel, the Jewish Messiah, also loves the whole world, and he would bring in the Gentiles at the at the birth of the church. You can see that with Cornelius and then the spread of the gospel to the Gentile nations as well. That's what he's referring to, but not extraterrestrials. There's nothing in Scripture about extraterrestrials. So it's talking about the Gentiles there of those who are not of his fold. Is that okay, Barbara? That's fine, but I also want to know what about all these sightings that, that, yeah. that people claim seeing. I, I don't have any answer for that. I'm much more capable about the Bible, Barbara. I don't know about the sightings. So I'll just, I'll just leave it to others to deal with that. So thanks for your call, Barbara. Really appreciate it. Uh, we're going to speak next with Cheryl in Birmingham, <clears throat> excuse me, Birmingham, Alabama, listening on WFMT. Welcome to Open Line, Cheryl. How can I help you? Thank you so much. I appreciate you taking my call. I want to tell you that I went to Israel for the second time in May of this year. Oh, great. It was absolutely wonderful, more wonderful. Every time I go, I'm going next year, uh, Lord great. willing. Uh, my question is John seven thirty eight, where Jesus says, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow Rivers of living water. Where, I've been looking and looking. Where are the other scriptures? Well, there's a, a phenomenon, a kind of fulfillment uh, in scripture that uh, is called summary, I call it in a book I wrote, uh, summary fulfillment. Okay? 
And what that does, it summarizes a theme of Scripture. So it's not thinking when it says, as the Scripture has said, it's not saying that there's one verse that says that we'll have streams of living water flowing deep within him, but rather it's summarizing a biblical theme. There are many passages that put together seem to teach that. This is an example of summary fulfillment. But what are the passages that he has in mind? Uh, there may be more, but here's some that, that as I've studied, they include Isaiah 58, 11, uh, Ezekiel 47, 1 through 12, which talks about the watering of the Dead Sea, but uh, there's Zechariah 14, 8, Isaiah 44, 3 is one that I think of in particular, where it says, uh, it says, uh, I will pour out water on a thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. So uh, it also speaks about Ezekiel 36 being Israel one day being cleansed with water when they believe uh, and they're restored to the land and the Holy Spirit will work upon them. It says, I will take you from all the nations where I gathered you and I will bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Uh, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. Uh, and so uh, that's another example. So this is just taking a bunch of passages which deal with regeneration or the becoming a believer and getting the spirit and the imagery of water going with it, cleansed with water, flowing water, uh, another example uh, is Isaiah 12, where it says uh, uh, that it says in Isaiah 12 that uh, you will joyfully draw water, water from the springs of salvation, Isaiah 12:3. So I hope that helps. Thanks for your call, and that's the end of the program for the week. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone especially those of you who called or sent in questions. Thanks for making Open Line possible. Thanks for Tricia McMillan producing, Courtney Young for all her technical help, and for Lynn for answering the phones. Keep in touch with Open Line during the week by going to our website, openlineradio.org. All sorts of links there that will help you, uh, whether it's our resource or how to become a kitchen table partner. It's all there. Keep reading the Bible. We'll talk about it next week. Open Line with Dr. Michael Radelnik is a production of Moody Radio. The Ministry of Moody Bible Institute. See you soon.